Hello and bienvenidos to Voices of Change in Latino Health, brought to you by MOLA, the medical organization for Latino advancement. I'm your host, Philip Sierra, and today we have an incredible lineup of inspiring guests who are leading the charge in transforming the landscape of Latino health. On this episode, we have two extraordinary individuals who are making waves in their respective fields. First up, we have Dr. Anthony Ramos Yataco, a remarkable medical doctor who hails from the prestigious Universidad Mayor Nacional de San Marcos in Peru. Driven by a passion for healthcare and a desire to create a lasting impact, he will soon embark on a journey as a resident at the renowned University of Miami Health System. And guess what? Mola has been with him every step of the way guiding him on this path to residency and success. Our second guest is no other than the exceptional Dr. Geraldine Luna, the medical director for the Chicago Health Department, recently honored with a prestigious award by the National Hispanic Medical Association. She is a true force to be reckoned with. Today, she will not only share her incredible journey to this accolade, but also shed some light on the recent ending of the emergency declaration by the World Health Organization on the COVID-19 pandemic. Together, Dr. Ramos Yataco and Dr. Luna will provide us with unparalleled insights into the challenges and triumphs within the realm of Latino health. Prepare to be inspired as we uncover these stories, strategies, and initiatives that are driving positive changes for our community. So, get ready to immerse yourself in the riveting conversation and groundbreaking ideas that will reshape the future of Latino health. This is Voices of Changes in Latino Health by MOLA, and we're thrilled to have you on this journey with us. Well, welcome everybody. We hope you having a spectacular start of this uh, season for uh, summer. The hot weather finally coming here into Chicago. And today we have a, a very special guest. Estoy aquí con el doctor Anthony Ramos Yataco. Él se conecta desde el Perú. And um, he's connecting from Peru. It's been a, a little bit tricky to get him to talk to us, not because he doesn't want to talk to us, but because he's been in the middle of the jungle and it's very difficult to get a connection, but uh, he's finally here. And my guest today, he just matched using the, the STEPS program to uh, go and do his internship in uh, internal medicine at the University of Miami. Dr. Yataco, ¿cómo está usted? Um, I'm pretty happy to be here with you. Like I know it's, it's been a real difficult for us to get here and actually make it happen, but I'm just so excited to be here. Um, yo estoy muy feliz de estar aquí con ustedes y poder contar un poco de lo que ha sido mi historia y cómo a través de Mola he podido lograr un, un, mi avance en, la, en mi carrera y creo que es muy importante eso y poder hacer que Mola sea how did you came across MOLA? Like you were there in Peru, you were doing your, your, your career. Uh, first of all, let me ask you, what university were you, were, were you graduating from in Peru? I graduated from San Marcos University, which is located in Lima, the capital of Peru. And you know, like a fun fact is like when, so we have like a Peruvian physician that's already, was already part of MOLA. This is Dr. Alicia Labe. So through her, I got in touch uh, with MOLA and that's why I joined MOLA. And once I was in it, I saw that they were actually working to increase diversity within the medical field. That's why I stayed there and I also part of MOLA up until now. When you joined MOLA, what was the first thing that caught your attention 
And uh, when did you realize that this was serious business and, and th that the tool that you had in your hands could actually make a great impact, not only in your career, but in the life of many uh, other uh, students who might now see that otherwise impossible dream of becoming a medical professional here in the United States a reality? Yeah, like the first time when I joined a meeting, I saw there were people like me, you know, like they were Hispanic as well, and they were trying to increase diversity, which is something that I deeply believe in. Um, and sometimes they spoke in Spanish, you know, it's really hard for us to find like an organization where you can actually use your Spanish. And when I heard that in Mall, I was like, oh my God, this is me. I have to be there. I have to be here and I have to contribute somehow to actually increase diversity. Now that I, on the other side, I'm also trying to work with MOLA members to actually, they can get into residency as well. We have like a, a committee that is international health graduates and where we try to help all the, the internationals, the doctors that are coming to the US to actually try to do the USMLE process. And I also believe in that. And, you know, I'm here for all all the international medical graduate doctors and if they need anything just let me know and i'm really happy to contribute to their pathway as well cuánto tardó en lo que el, el doctor ya tacó en aquel en aquel momento estaba estudiando medicina todavía no era doctor eh, encuentra el recurso inicia el proceso y lo culmina bueno culmina una parte porque se logra el, el primer escalón que es conseguir hacer el match, venir aquí a la Universidad de Miami, pero no para porque el soporte que ofrece MOLA es constante. Entonces, después de esto viene otro paso y otro paso. Pero, pero este primer paso, ¿cuánto tiempo tomó? Más o menos yo empecé con esto de, de o sea, con la idea ya de, de hacer la residencia o el posgrado en Estados Unidos cuando todavía era muy pequeño, cuando tenía 18, 19 años. Y, y pero fue como la idea que ya la tenía inculcada en mí, sin, pero no fue hasta que terminé la carrera de medicina, que fue en el 2020, que inicié con realmente a estudiar para los exámenes y involucrarme, a hacer los papeles y todo eso. Y me tomó más o menos dos años, dos años aproximadamente entre dar los exámenes, hacer eh, investigación, uh, you know, estar en diferentes organizaciones y tratar de... de hacerme conocido en Estados Unidos porque es un sistema distinto al que nosotros manejamos y, y necesitas que las personas de allá te conozcan para que puedan recomendarte a los programas. Es un proceso bastante largo y bastante extenuante a veces y cansado y a veces sientes que ya no, ¿por qué sigo aquí? <ríe> y, ¿Y por qué voy a seguir? Es tan difícil, y, pero yo creo que es realizable con el soporte de todas las personas que alguna vez pasaron esto y además con el soporte de MOLA Creo que ha sido un camino muy fructífero, con muchas alegrías y, y, y he tenido el agrado de conocer gente maravillosa a través de todo mi camino. Precisamente, ¿conoció usted algún otro caso? ¿Es there any other person that you know of that is doing the same process but is not a part of, of MOLA? It doesn't have that support. How, how different would you think that process is for, for people who don't use the resource? Yeah, I actually know people that they're not in MOLA yet, I, I always encourage them to join MOLA. But I think like being in MOLA is just give a sense of that you belong to something, you know, like we, when we go to US, we are just on our own and you don't have anybody to talk to. And like, 
you don't even have doctors that look like you. Like as Hispanics, you know that we are only six percent of the doctors in U.S. So I think like if you are not with the people that actually have something in common with you, you just feel alone and lonely. Um, sometimes it gets harder just to move forward. So I think that that's why I always encourage them to join MOLA because it's a great organization and you you will find like a support system there just from Oscar and all the people that are there. They're amazing people and they're willing to help. When I have a problem, I just talked with Oscar and he actually gave me a hand and he contacted me with another doctor and I was able to do rotations in Chicago. So that's how MOLA works. It's about, you know, like a friendship between everybody there and they're always willing to help in any way they can. So so at the end of the day, and what I get from, from your perspective is that um, it's not impossible, but it's a lot less impossible with, with the help of MOLA. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's much easier. I, I was <laughs> I'm really grateful to have joined MOLA when I did last, almost two years now. <laughs> I did in December, I think, like 2021, I guess. And ever since then, I have been part of the mentorship committee, the international head graduate. I was working also with the fundraisers in Chicago as well. When I was in Chicago, I also went to the MOLA symposium and I was there and it was amazing to get to know all those amazing people. And now um, you're coming from, from Lima, which is a, a coast city. You have a, a, a lot of sandy beaches. You have a great weather. You have great food. Uh, you have amazing cold beer down there. Uh, I, I, you're coming now to Miami, which is basically the same. Uh, but but the, uh, aside from that, there's a lot of new cultural experiences that that you will be uh, uh, learning, especially on the medical field. So how do you perceive that that transition from from uh, Lima to Miami? What is your expectation, and what do you want to do aside from uh, internal medicine? Well, I think like it's gonna be hard. You know, it's gonna be hard everywhere. Like it's really hard just for us being international medical graduates to get adjusted to this new system. And like I'm gonna learn a lot. And like it's at the end, at the beginning, it's gonna be hard for me just to you know like get get acquaintance with the electronic medical record and you know just speaking English all the time, which is hard sometimes. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, we speak English when we're here, but sometimes we go to the hospital, medical turns, it's a new culture. Um, but, you know, it's going to be so enriching, and I think that I'm going to grow as a doctor and also as a human being. Um, so talking about, like, I want to do first internal medicine, and then uh, I'm just debating between, like, intensive care and rheumatology as well. So I might decide during my three years of um, residency. Perfect. And once you're done with the residency there, do, do, do you plan on staying in Miami? Is there any hospital here in the US that uh, once you get your your your, your specialization, uh, is there any kind of hospital that you wanna go, uh, which is like a top tier hospital in that field? Yeah, like, you know, like, <laughs> I always say this, like, you know, I, I'm going to work so hard that I can get to Harvard. <laughs> you want to go to Harvard? Uh, you, uh, I, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, I want to be in, like, in a good, really, for a great program for fellowship, you know, whether uh -huh. Harvard, Yale, Stanford, UCLA, you know, Northwestern University in Chicago as well. It's just 
I just want to be in a place that I feel that, you know, I can have more opportunities as well, and also to get proper training and amazing training to actually serve the Hispanic community in US. Perfect. Now I'm, I'm going to invite uh, another guest that we have today here. Uh, she is Dr. Geraldine Luna. She is the medical director for the uh, city of Chicago, and she recently won an award. She's going to tell us a little bit more of that. So I'm going to pull her into the studio. Uh, Doctora Luna, como siempre, un gusto saludarla. ¿Cómo está? Claro que sí, Philip y, este, y Anthony. Muy bien, estoy muy bien. Gracias por tenerme. Un honor. No, no, el gusto es nuestro, como siempre, tener a, a una eminencia en todos los aspectos. Es un espectacular ser humano, pero también es una profesional de mucha categoría. Eh, doctor Luna, muchos cambios ahorita que, que vienen de, aquí en, en Chicago localmente, pero de eso vamos a hablar un, un ratito más adelante. Eh, primero le quiero preguntar de ese, eh, ese premio que se llevó usted. Es, es casi que el Oscar latino de los médicos hispanos aquí, y se lo, y, y se lo llevó usted. Ay, gracias, Philip. Honor, claro que sí, este... Bueno, y verdad, este, me, me ruborizo, me ruborizo, pero eh, me encanta oír eso. Gracias por, felici por felicitarme. Eh, este es un premio de la eh, National Hispanic Medical Association, ¿no? Asociación eh, Médica de Verdad Nacional Hispana. Y entonces eh, se lo otorga, ¿verdad? Cada año ellos escogen, escogen su candidato de representación liderazgo y entonces aquí se le reconoce a la ciudad de Chicago, ¿verdad? Y, y esta servidora que tuvo el, el honor y el placer y me humildez increíblemente haber representado eh, una doctora latina en alcance latino durante la, el COVID-19, ¿verdad? Fue, fue algo colaborativo, no me puedo llevar el crédito solito, eh, eso es algo colaborativo con nuestras diferentes organizaciones el, del Departamento de Salud de Chicago. Soy la primera doctora latina en la historia de ese departamento, así que imagínate cómo estamos pobremente representados, eh, Philip, en posiciones que son de impacto en nuestros médicos, en nuestras enfermeras y otros eh, verdad personales de la salud que son tan importantes y hacen la diferencia. Entonces, esto es un logro grandísimo y espero que yo no sea la única. Sigan llegando más médicos latinos al Departamento de Salud y, y en otras organizaciones a nivel mundial. Necesitamos sentarnos en la mesa, eh, tener toma de decisión, ¿verdad? Poder participar en esas decisiones donde cambia legislación, se reforman las existentes para que entonces podamos eh, cambiar la narrativa que tenemos aquí con nuestros hispanos en los Estados Unidos. Perfecto, doctora. Pues nuevamente, eh, felicidades. Tenemos un tema así bastante eh, local, pero que igual refleja mucho precisamente ese punto que, que usted toca de los latinos y las posiciones de, de impacto en organizaciones, bien sea de gobierno o privadas o no gubernamentales de servicio público. El, el mandato de, de, de la alcaldesa Lori Leifu termina en el momento en el que se le pase a Brandon Johnson la, la batuta. Doctora, la, la pregunta que todos tenemos, ¿usted sigue ahí o, o, o se nos va? No, claro que no. Este, yo sigo ahí. Eh, este, esas posiciones políticas y esas posiciones que se llaman Shackman Exempt, que son posiciones donde el alcalde o, o la persona que está escogiendo su gabinete apunta y denomina a esas personas, es muy diferente. Yo soy directora médica, ese sería algo más para la comisionada de salud, la doctora Arwari, que son directamente, ¿verdad? Están 
van a dar esos servicios a lo que es el alcalde. Así que gracias a Dios, eh, no entiendo que me afecte a mí ni a los directores médicos que tenemos eh, apoyando los diferentes eh, buros dentro del Departamento de Salud. Así que yo espero seguir ahí eh, por el tiempo que sea necesario y entonces, claro, y lo más importante es, es sirviendo al pueblo latino y, y eso es lo que hacemos ahí. Otra, otra noticia, doctora, y es que ya la, la Organización Mundial de la Salud decretó que oficial terminó la emergencia por el, por el COVID-19, algo que se celebra por una parte, pero que también eh, eh, pues genera un poquitito de, 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 de alarma, porque la gente tiende a confiarse mucho. Eh, a, a, y en este caso, ¿cuál sería el mensaje? No solo pues para, obviamente, la, la, la gente del común, sino para todos esos profesionales de, de salud y, y y los prospective medical professionals uh, that are now dealing with patients and everything, what's the recommendation? Yeah, the pandemic is basically coming to an end as, as it was declared. Uh, there's not a, a medical emergency anymore as by the World Health Organization. Um, but um, what should all medical professionals and clinicians be aware of uh, in not doing now that we don't have this emergency going on? And uh, the, what is the end, the implications of the end of the public health emergency goes tied up with political and financial impact to uh, the community. For example, like uh, agreement data that we had with all these laboratories, clinics, informing like who is positive, who is negative. So positivity of the disease cases, all that disappears. Um, there is no um, obligation on behalf of our healthcare system to inform that. So that's gonna change. Another important change that we're gonna be seeing is uh, COVID testing, COVID vaccination, and COVID therapeutics. So those will continue to be available for individuals that are uninsured, but insurances or insured individuals might change. For example, home testing is not gonna be available for Medicaid and private insurances. They're not obligated to pay for those home tests as they were doing before or during all the way up to May 11. And then when we're talking about Medicaid, it will continue to provide testing for individuals all the way to September 2024. And then after that, while well, we have it in stock. So we don't know how that's going to work, but by then we'll have something figure out. Or we'll know a little bit more from agencies and the way that they're planning this transition. A year is significant, uh, a significant number, but those uninsured will continue to have vaccines for free, Um, COVID testing, as I mentioned, lab testings are going to be covered. Um, for those insured, it's going to be under providers' orders, but those uninsured, um, they will have it for free in our clinics and in selected pharmacies and select um, clinics around the city. So those are important changes. And then when we're talking about Medicare redetermination, and this is a huge impact because Philip will come, we're coming to the point where we're talking about individuals families connected to medical homes. And we want to take this opportunity to connect everyone with a medical home, including the undocumented, including the poor. You know, that shouldn't be state status uh, that are prohibiting individuals from receiving basic care. So in Medicare, keeping those individuals that are enrolled and are beneficiaries in Medicare is important, but we know the criteria changes. We were using criteria like SNAP, like nutritional criteria to apply. 
to those programs. And we were doing that for individuals to be able to be covered under an insurance during this emergency pandemic. That's going to change. It was never meant uh, or intend to be sustainable. And it's not sustainable for the economy of the country. But then we have now Medicare supplementary. There's a new program recently created is health um, benefits for immigrants, adults and seniors, which cover individuals 42 years and over. We have CHIP, we have moms and babies, we have uh, other forms of the program, victims of trauma and trafficking and other major crimes, which is VTTC uh, for immigrants. So that community, the immigrant, the uninsured, the very poor individuals, those that don't have a job, don't have insurance, are those that are our major responsibility from the Department of Public Health and number one priority. The other thing is um, there's a lot of legislation and even though the Department of Public Health can lobby directly to those legislations, we're supporting our communities in expansions um, to um, individuals 19 to 41 years old, especially those immigrants, to receive the healthcare coverage that they deserve. Primary care keeps your population, your productive population healthy. And it comes back to the country because it saves a lot of money in reactive care. So those are one of the things that we're working at Philip during this transition is a big undertake, but we're not alone. We're doing it in collaboration with all these amazing organizations around the city. So that is, um, I just wanted to give you that in a nutshell. Perfect, uh, Dr. Luna. And, and then I don't know if, uh, if you have a chance to, to hear what uh, Dr. Yataco uh, uh, was telling us his story about how he uh, came across MOLA and, and decided to pursue uh, becoming a medical professional here in the United States, but um, I, I would like for 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 you both to 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 say hello to each other. <laughs> since, since, since we're sitting here at the table. <laughs> yes, and, Anthony, welcome. I'm really happy to be here with you. Like I, I'm learning so much here right now. I I love Chicago. I was living there for like five months, so I really love love the city, and I think that. Within policy, Chicago is like more welcoming to cover for patients that have no insurance. Even it's hard for them to get proper care, but sometimes they actually can get it. Whereas in southern states, it just becomes harder. You know. Now, Doctor Yatakov, you don't mind me asking, what five months were that? Because if, if it was winter and you say you love it, then you're a Chicagoan. No, I was. <laughs> if, if it was summer and you say you love it, then. Uh, you still need to no, it was year. like June last year, so almost oh, okay. one year ago. Yeah, yeah. it was summer. So, yeah. So as soon as the cold weather hit, you left. Yeah. We don't blame you. We would do the same if we could, right? That's true. Um, so we're almost wrapping, but I would like to remind people: we are already promoting uh, our next uh, symposium, which is going to be on October the 13th and the 14th at Rush University. Is the seventh annual. Uh, MOLA Symposium uh, this year. It's called uh, Bridging the Gap Through Connections. And basically, we're inviting everyone to register. You can visit chicagomola.com, um, send your request, uh, get all the information. We still don't have a, a list of uh, guests, but trust me, it's going to be a great, great event. We hope to see you all there. Um, so some of the objectives uh, are already posted on the website. Um, the call for abstracts, if you're presenting a project, it's due on July 3rd. Uh, we also have a lot of um, information on those who want to become sponsors 
of this event and we do uh, ask that you review that and maybe you will not be a sponsor but maybe you know someone who will be willing and able to help us make this difference and bridge that gap for our community and for medical professionals so please visit chicagomola.com and uh, you will see it right at the top that's uh, the information of the symposium uh, click on it and um, you will find all of the information and uh, also the um, uh, the rest of the information about the, the scholars applications and uh, everything about the Michael Reese Research and Education Foundation and how they help us uh, make all of this a reality is right there. Uh, become a member if you're not a member yet. Uh, renew your membership if it's expired. And re remember, the importance of being a member is not just being able to display that you are a member of this great organization, but uh, Dr. Ramos Yataco is uh, a proof that the work that we do does have an impact. It makes a difference. And at the end of the day, we will achieve that goal of improving and increasing that presence of medical professionals and clinicians who are Hispanics here in the United States or Latinx or Latines. We, any way we want to call ourselves, we will increase that number, which will at the end improve the health outcomes of our people, of our immigrant people, our second generation, first generation Latinx, we will make a difference. This this is a part that is important about the American dream. It, it makes no sense to achieve the car, achieve the house, achieve the degree, and not being healthy. That doesn't make any sense. So we're, we're making that American dream healthier so you can live it longer. Now, anything else you, you want to add, uh, Dr. Ramos? Like, you know, I encourage everybody to join MOLA. Yo, MOLA, I love MOLA. And I think it's a great organization. You can actually get to know a lot of people. And, you know, I'm proof that actually helped me to get to my dream of becoming a doctor in U.S. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's also because we want to serve the Latinx community. Um, you know, I just want to serve my community there. And there is a lot of Latinos and we are only 6% of physicians in US. So we have to be more in order to be more, you have to get to different people. And I think starting joining MOLA is a great way to do it. And you know, juntos vamos a hacer más y únanse a MOLA para poder incrementar la diversidad en, en el, durante, dentro de todos los médicos en Estados Unidos. Doctora Luna. Claro que sí. Y este es un llamado fuerte, no tan solo a los médicos en formación, para los médicos que ya se formaron, es una manera increíble de contribuir y dar a la sociedad una vez que hemos llegado a ciertos lugares. Y este MOLA también fomenta. Y en el caso mío, cuando yo entré a MOLA, era facultativo de la Universidad de Chicago en, en Illinois, en el programa de geriatría. Yo soy geriatra, medicina interna y geriatra. Entonces, eh, venir a MOLA me dio tanto a cambio, aprendí la parte administrativa, fui la tesorera por, eh, por casi tres años y entonces ahora soy secretaria de membresía y entonces formar parte del comité ejecutivo, empezar la organización, fui una de las primeras casi fundadoras, no de los tres fundadores iniciales, pero fuimos de ese primer grupito y entonces formar la organización completa te da unas destrezas increíbles 
en la parte administrativa, que es lo que soy. Tengo una maestría en el Public Health y haciendo una maestría en Business Administration. Así que familia nunca se llega al, al, a un punto final. Una vez que has logrado llegar, tienes que seguir moviéndote, tienes que seguir dando y ser parte de ese esfuerzo comunitario de, de impulsar a otros latinos a lograr esas posiciones es tan importante y gratificante. Así que les invito a todas esas personas que ya son médicos, que entren a Mola, vean dónde queda su nicho, dónde pueden contribuir y formemos parte de este movimiento. Mola es un movimiento, es revolucionario en lo que ofrece eh, educación, eh, ¿verdad? Research, eh, toda esa parte eh, que es tan importante en el campo de la medicina. Y lo más importante es que aumenta la representación de profesionales de la salud y aquellos en formación logran sus metas, logran llegar ahí por las conexiones, eh, por todo lo que adquieren, las destrezas que refinan. Así que ese es un lugar increíble para aportar y para ayudar a otros a lograr sus sueños. Well, Dr. Luna, Dr. Ramos Yataco, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is uh, the end of the second uh, MOLA podcast. And we hope to hear you back next month where we will have more guests and more news and of course, and more surprises. So uh, thank you all. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.